So at the end of this morning's truly inspirational and humbling session, I was informed for the first time that I would be opening the next session. And I realized that was a great kindness because otherwise I would have been spending the last three weeks perfecting my five minutes. So you get it completely off the cuff. So who the hell am I, right? <laughs> You're all wondering this. Who am I to be in this room? You know who I am? I'm very lucky. I am a lucky person who grew up in a dying industrial city where there was no place to go but out. I came of age at a time of great political and social unrest when we didn't believe anything the older generation told us. And I still find that a very useful trait in science. I was very lucky to be born at a time when there were actually many opportunities for women, thanks to the women who were slightly older than I, who made those opportunities possible through their true hard work and pioneering. And I was especially lucky that no one ever told me to be afraid, or at least they did, I didn't listen. So I'm either deaf or really people didn't say, be afraid of this, be afraid of that. We tell our children now, be afraid, be afraid. That's the wrong thing to do. No one told me to be afraid. And so I wasn't afraid. I just did things. As a teenager, I tried lots of jobs. Taxi driver, I was the first woman yellow cab driver in Pittsburgh. Those are really big, fat yellow cabs. <laughs> and they're really, really narrow streets in Pittsburgh. And if you're afraid, it's all over. I worked in pizza parlors until I realized that if I lied about my age, I'd get a much better paying job in Walt Harper's Jazz Club. I met a lot of great jazz musicians in the 70s in Pittsburgh then. I worked as a cocktail waitress. I worked in a factory. I traveled all over the world as a single woman in Brazil, Indonesia, Italy, Spain, learning languages, meeting lots of people, and basically trying out a lot of different things. And I went to college and became an engineer at a time when there were very few women who were willing to study mechanical engineering. That's how I got into Princeton, by the way. Everybody says, you're a high school dropout. How'd you get into Princeton? In 1970, well, actually it was 1971, if you applied to Princeton for mechanical engineering, they said, holy moly, it's the first woman we ever saw who wants to do, actually, I was the second. And that's how I got into Princeton. But I actually stayed in it. I tried lots of other things. I uh, often joke that I majored in Italian postdocs. That was my favorite activity. <laughs> really helped my, that helped my Italian. But I, I, I stuck with the engineering. And I went through a number of transitions until I ended up at Berkeley, not as a mechanical engineer because the aerospace industry dropped out on me, which was the greatest thing that ever happened. But I ended up at Berkeley at the beginning of a revolution, not the closing of one, but the beginning. And that was the DNA revolution. Jim Watson started the DNA revolution by discovering the structure of truly the greatest molecule that ever was. And I was there at Berkeley when we were just starting to engineer the biological world by rewriting the code of life. I realized that the truly the greatest engineer of all time is not us, is not the the aerospace industry, I thought that was way cool, but it's nature. Through a simple algorithm of mutation, recombination, sex, you know, it's pretty good for something. 
that gives rise to all sorts of innovation and solutions to a really big problem. I mean, you think about it, nature extracts energy and materials from the environment and converts it into self-replicating, adapting, sometimes even thinking machines. It's a, it's a truly amazing feat that nature could do. And now we can start rewriting this code of life. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to engineer the biological world to solve human problems. Now it turns out we haven't the foggiest idea how to do this, and we still don't. But what we can do is what we've been doing for the last 10,000 years, only now using this revolution in molecular biology to speed it up. And what have we been doing for the last 10,000 years? We have been modifying the biological world at the level of DNA. Every time you buy a poodle, you're doing that. It's artificial selection, modifying everything from corn to carrier pigeons, lab rats, racehorses. We have been manipulating the DNA structure of life. Only now, thanks to this revolution in molecular biology, we can go in at the level of DNA and actually start breeding molecules. And it was my total ignorance of what could not be done, and this is a theme I, I think you'll hear many times over. When you don't know all the things that cannot be done, and you're unafraid to try the new things, I said, it's obvious to me that we would use this algorithm that gave rise to all these beautiful solutions to one problem of being alive. It's a big problem. All we could use this algorithm to solve our problem of being alive. And not just being alive, but being alive on a planet that we would like to give to our children that's better than the one that we came into. My generation has not done a good job. And you young people should be screaming bloody murder because we are pillaging the planet of its resources and not doing it in a sustainable fashion. But biology is quite sustainable. And it will endure and go on long after this little node of human beings does not manage to make it. But if you want to be able to make it, why not learn from the best engineer there is how to solve problems? And that's what I do at Caltech, is I implement the same algorithm of evolution, but now creating molecules, and I don't create you know, strange, weird life forms, although sometimes the press likes to say that, creating molecules that can catalyze the conversion of one form of energy and materials into another that's more useful to us, and doing it by utilizing the music that biology gives us, that wonderful code of life. Um, I just wanted to introduce myself and get everybody in the room now so that we can start this wonderful session. And I want to thank you all for putting up with me and for inviting me also. Thank you for being uh, reminding me to be here.